<laughs> more McAllen. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. Uh, or should I say, Rabbit Hole Recap with Matt and Marty before I introduce my new co-host for a new segment we're doing. Let me sort of introduce it, uh, the, the concept behind this. So one of the constant feedbacks that I get is that people love the conversations, love the in-depth conversations with the guests that I have on. They're looking for more, uh, more of like a news-like program vibe of a recap of the most pertinent uh, recent events in the space. Um, so asking you shall receive. I've uh, been having a conversation on the side here with, uh, with a good friend of mine for the last couple of weeks trying to put this together and finally got him to agree to do this. It uh, wasn't that hard, actually. Um, so welcome. he's already been on the podcast before, so actually one of your favorite episodes. So welcome uh, back to Matt O'Dell. How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Um, it definitely was not a, a hard sell. <laughs> so basically what we're trying to do here is, is it's going to be a, a week in review. We're going to record every Tuesday, try and drop it as quick as possible. Um, it'll be separate but uh, but on the same feed as as your usual tales from the crypt yeah it's a little uh it's a different vibe it's not the interview vibe we're gonna try not to get as drunk as i do uh when i interview people we are drinking though we are because that's an important aspect of your podcast as i've constantly reiterated well this is our podcast now matt right at least these one of my favorite parts of your podcast (laughs) is the drinking It it really opens people up uh, so it's actually, it's actually a, a, a powerful tool for me. I, I get smart people to get drunk and loosen up a bit and, and disclose some information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The best is, uh, Nick's most recent pod with you, Nick Carter, mm-hmm. you, you got him drunk and he, he promised all of us that it was going to be his only podcast and he lied. And then he went and he did three other podcasts. I'm pretty sure. I think he, I think he's up to seven now. Actually. Seven. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Look I at know, that. I don't know what the number is, but it's no uh, longer a scarce resource. It's, it's never been a scarce resource. He lied. He lied. <laughs> he pre-mined. <laughs> he scheduled a bunch of podcasts and told me it was only going to be one. It's why you don't trust centralized actors. No, never. They'll always inflate the supply. But enough about that scoundrel. Um, Back onto the topics of the week. So it's been a big week in crypto. Uh, you have had a couple of fire threads. Uh, I guess we'll start with Bitmain's IPO. And uh, it seems like a lot of people were very bullish on it a few weeks ago. Uh, not so much anymore. A lot of drama uh, around Bitmain right now. There's some rumors that their reported revenues from last quarter were precipitously lower than, than previously thought a couple weeks ago. Um, and they have a, a big bag of shit coins. Matt, why don't we dive into that? Their, uh, their, their shit coin exposure. So we had uh, Samson Mao earlier this week. He leaked some docs and they're holding major, major bags of uh, Bitcoin cash. So they have 1 million Bitcoin cash that they're just holding. They have, they can't sell it. If they sell, sell it, they're going to, they're going to tank the price. Um, and they have a bunch of other a bunch of other altcoins as well. What do they have there? They have they have nine hundred and thirty thousand Litecoins. So they have almost almost a million Litecoin, a million Bitcoin Cash, three hundred and twelve thousand Dash, and a thousand Ethereum. Twenty two thousand Bitcoin. And twenty two thousand Bitcoin. Bitcoin proper. This is as of March, I'm pretty sure. So 
we're not really sure exactly what they have right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I imagine they couldn't sell they couldn't sell that Bitcoin Cash and and the Litecoin right um, without, without without tanking the price. Yeah, Charlie Lee uh, was the first uh, big sell in Litecoin at the top. Uh, I don't think you're gonna be able to replicate that at any point. <laughs> I. I <laughs> It was a it was a good timing on his part, but I'm not sure about the ethical uh, situation there. I, yeah, especially going on CNBC and doing. But he did he did call it he did call it pretty much perfectly. Th- I'm pretty sure, like exactly perfectly. But enough about Charlie Lee, Bitmain's financials. Um, so they're they're approaching their IPO. Apparently, there's rumors that Tencent and uh, well, first we should, how did they end up with so much Bitcoin cash? So some people are saying that they were actually selling their Bitcoin because their Bitcoin amount was going down and they were they were buying Bitcoin cash with it to try and push up the price. Seems about right. Uh, and then the other the other thing they had was uh, they only sold their miners with Bitcoin cash. You could only buy their ASICs. It didn't matter which which uh, algorithm you wanted to mm-hmm. mine on. You were going to buy a Dash miner from them. Um, it would you'd have to buy it with Bitcoin cash. All of them had to be bought with Bitcoin cash. So they were making their customers basically do the prop of the price up for them, but then they get stuck with these, these big bags. And the price broke a pretty strong technical level at 0.09 the other last week. Yeah, exactly. And 0.1 before that. I, I would say 0.1 is right. Is the technical. Yeah. That's what they were holding at 10% of a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that pretty much, if you didn't, if you didn't need, if everything else didn't tell you that, that, that the fork is sealed, the the price tells you you know the market uh, the market has decided it's it's less than ten percent of a bitcoin, you know anyone who says that bitcoin cash is bitcoin is is frankly full of shit. <laughs> well, do you think they're IPOing to save their ass because their their balance sheet is so piss poor with their holdings? What you? I, that's what I think. Yeah, you think so too, right? I mean, I don't know if I know enough to. To say for, supposedly their their recent wafers have also you know yeah their if, most recent production run has been like wrought with failures. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing they probably overextended themselves a little bit. All those all those shitcoin bags they have are all miners that they sold. Um, you know they have they have miners for those algorithms. They have a Dash miner. They have a Litecoin miner. And, and actually, I'm not that surprised that Ethereum so low is is because. They don't I, GPU miners. I think they've been hesitant to go to Athash because they're Ethereum likes the 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 Ethereum community would be more likely to fork them out. You know, I don't think they thought Monero would, but Monero ended up doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another story altogether. But but the fact is that they were probably a little bit too scared to to touch Athash for that reason. I uh, I would agree, and then and the POS shift, right? And yeah, previous stake shift yeah. that'll never that's a happen. big risk. That'll never happen. I've actually made that prediction on Twitter last week. I predicted that Ethereum will never transition to proof of stake. Uh, haven't bet anybody. It's just a prediction. Uh, I don't know. You uh, could bet it on Augur. <laughs> uh, I don't even feel like going to that effort. But I will say, uh, just another a parting note on Bitmain. I think Bitmain is a. Uh, is your classic Icarus story like last year? This time last year, after the hard fork, they they I think they Jihan and crew really thought that miners ran the chain and and decided the rules and would have a lot of swaying power. Um, 
with via their hash power at the end of the day and after the bitcoin cash and hard fork and the user activated soft fork um it sort of proved that nodes run the network and that thesis that Jihan and Bitmain had was proven wrong. And since they've been trying to save face and maybe the last straw is an IPO. This is just a theory. This is what I think. But I think Jihan and crew flew a little too close to the sun uh, after a lot of hard work and a lot of a lot of positioning uh, to, to get themselves in a profitable space and profitable uh, place in the in the ecosystem. The weird thing is, is that I, I do tend to agree with you flew too close to the sun but the problem was they flew too close to the sun and they didn't make they didn't make the move mm-hmm. you know so like november december uh they added bitcoin cash got ninja added to coinbase and went up to like 0.5 bitcoin <laughs> um ninja. you know that was like it was like a bullshit price but it did right mm-hmm. at that point when there was all this confusion and like there was like i i know people that panic sold some bitcoin for bitcoin cash because there was like for a two hour period on like a random Tuesday night because of Coinbase. <laughs> like um, right before Christmas. Right. Like, like what the fuck? They, they Ninja added it. It went up to like 0.5. At that point, if, if Bitmain had just switched all their hash power over to Bitcoin Cash, you know, they probably had like 50, 50%, around 50% of the hash rate. If they had just switched that over to Bitcoin Cash at that point, coupled with Bitcoin Cash's difficulty algorithm, they probably could have forced a Bitcoin POW change. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't do that. And, and it was because they were afraid that they might be wrong, right? And they, they were too scared to kill the golden goose that is Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is everything to them. It makes them the lion's share of their, of their profits. They don't want to kill that. And they didn't make that move. So they flew too close to the sun, but didn't you know, take it out. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, and now this seems like a desperation move. I would say the IPO is, is heavy desperation. Yeah, and we'll see how it plays out as we get closer and closer to the IPO date. Uh, a lot of drama. Uh, apparently, we already mentioned this, but apparently their, uh, their revenues were not as high as previously expected. And then on top of this, you have a bifurcation of the Bitcoin Cash uh, community. Uh, they're about to hard fork. They're, they're splitting up into two regimes, Jihan Wu uh, and uh, Dr. Craig Wright. Doc, don't, don't put Dr. <laughs> in front of his Fake Toshi. Fake Toshi. Um, but I'm interested. Uh, I don't think Roger has, has picked it, chosen a side yet, side Roger Ver. Uh. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so that's Bitmain news. We're, we're going to try and keep the show to an hour. So we're going to get on to the next topic. Uh, let's shift to Bitcoin Core, what we all came here for. Uh, I went to the BitDevs meetup here in New York City last night. Incredible meetup hosted by uh, or moderated by Jay and and John Newberry. Uh, and John gave a, a great presentation on the upcoming uh, upgrade of Bitcoin core protocol, uh, zero point, version 0. 0.17.0. Um, before we dive into that, I want to say last night's uh, BitDevs meetup in particular was very interesting because we had uh, Eric from the Lib Bitcoin team uh, in town, and he came and gave a presentation on Lib Bitcoin, uh, which I thought was fascinating. And it's crazy, like the way uh, that node software runs compared to Bitcoin Core. Um, so definitely look into Lib Bitcoin. They do things differently, but it's it's fascinating uh, the different approaches these these different teams have to to uh, creating nodes uh, to to run within consensus. Um, but uh core 
version 0.17. So John gave an incredible uh, presentation on uh, what's being rolled out uh, in in, uh, version 0.17.0 of the Bitcoin core uh, software project. Um, Most interesting part of the presentation was uh, the stats of how many new uh, contributors there are uh, to the to the project in general there's 60 since the last upgrade which was 16 point something uh, 67 new people have contributed to the bitcoin core repository which uh is an incredible stat like to have uh to have that many new people a decade into this free and open source software project uh becoming interested in it and interested enough to to develop the skills to actually get some commits pushed through. It's a good fundamental indicator. Absolutely. And um, another fun fact, only um, 13% of the commits in this version of Core were committed by Blockstream employees. So the Blockstream uh, conspiracy. That narrative. Can we put <laughs> that to rest, Vaughn? <laughs> I would I would like to, but I think it's funny to uh I think we can turn this like into like a maximalist meme where we turn on everybody else and it's like, ooh, these uh this thirteen percent of this project is is trying to take over the world. The the blockstream uh what's their investor that everyone uses? Uh AXA. AXA, yeah. yeah. The Blockstream AXA conspiracy. Bilderberg. Bilderberg's yeah. in Bilderberg, there too. Yeah, they throw Bilderberg in. <laughs> might, <laughs> might as well throw Bilderberg in. Gotta throw Bilderberg in. Can't have a good conspiracy theory without Bitterberg. That's extremely impressive that we got. And they were, most of them were first time, right? There was a lot of first oh, time yes, contributors. first time contributors. Yeah. yeah, 67. That's crazy. Yeah, and like the the, vi- the virali- virility? virility of the, the uh, testing, uh, reviewing, uh, pull request, commits, all that is is very strong right now. There's a lot of interest in that repository. I just think the the, the whole ecosystem surrounding Bitcoin dev has just improved so tremendously over the last year or so. Yeah, we had... You know, um, even stuff with, like, Pierre's... Um, Bitcoin X. Yeah, mm-hmm. fantastic resource. Like you can just go to a website and just see it all right there very easily. Yeah, incredible res- resource, BitcoinAxeACKS.org, I believe. I believe it's a .org. Um, and then on top of that, John Newberry had a very good, funny quote. A lot of people's favorite fundamental indicator out there is GitHub commits... And he said that's a terrible metric to use because uh, commits are not fungible. Some commits are a lot better than others. <laughs> and it's very easy to game commits. Yes, you can you change just, commas and, and... You just keep submitting them, yeah. Yeah. Um, so be wary of using uh, that metric uh, as as a any metric fundamental indicator. Any metric that you can go home and game, just throw that metric out. Yeah. Um, or at least view it with a grain of salt. Exactly. And then there was one more thing I want to add about this upgrade. Oh, so the upgrade is September 9th. Um, if you're a developer, I am not. Uh, they need help testing uh, before before the official merge on the 9th. Um, it's, I think it's a tentative date. But uh, if you're a developer out there looking to, um, looking to help out with the core project, I think some testing between now and, 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 the, ne- and the next two to three weeks uh, is much needed. And, then, and definitely anyone... Especially if you're a dev, but if just everyone should really subscribe to Bitcoin Ops uh, newsletter, yeah. their new newsletter, which is at BitcoinOps.org. Um, yeah, definitely do that. A new actually just came out with one today. It was a little short and sweet, but uh, it was good. Always like good signal to noise. Actually, 
It's I, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely Very exceptional. little to yeah. no noise. Um, okay, shall we? Yeah, I think we should jump into uh, Square Cash. Square Cash. This All is you. This states. is you. All 50 states, we got Square Cash now. So the Square Cash Georgia, app. Georgia, Georgia, struggling. <laughs> last was one. Georgia the last one? I think Georgia was the last one. Hor- horrible money laws down in Georgia. <laughs> um, they had to go state by state. But uh, the, so the square, so Marty actually shills it on his pod, even though they don't, they don't, they don't pay him. Hey, for Jack, it at all. Jack, I'm working um, for free out here. Square is Jack Dorsey's company. Um, he's the, he's famously the CEO of both Twitter and Square. Uh, they, they make those little, those little rectangle pucks that you see like connected to iPads that you could swipe your credit card on. Yep. And now they have a, a Venmo competitor. They have the cash app which is amazing how simple that name is that mm-hmm. people have just grasped onto it. There's like this whole grassroots community. I think there's like 50 rap songs out right now that, oh, yeah. that mention oh, Cash Oh, Travis Scott just gave out 100K. Cash at me. Cash you know? tag. No, send me your it cash tag. It just sounds good. Send me your cash tag. It's, it's literally a hashtag with, with the freaking dollar sign, and they, it's just viral, yeah. right? And it's simple. It's just a nice, simple app. You can buy Bitcoin on it. You can kind of sell Bitcoin on it only if you... You can sell Bitcoin on it. But you have to have bought it on the platform because you can't deposit Bitcoin. You can withdraw Bitcoin. So all From these what services, I understand, they're, they're about to... Like, they're yeah, but the they process. haven't done that yet. Yeah, not yet. You they're can't the, deposit yet. You can withdraw. Yes. And you should withdraw. You shouldn't keep your, your Bitcoin on any of these centralized services, but, but the Cash App is extremely easy to use. Their prices are cheaper than Coinbase, which is what most people are using. Uh, in America, at least, the UX and, is better. Yeah. Oh, oh, the price does look like it's more expensive than Coinbase, but if you do the math after you buy some Bitcoin, if you do the math after fees and everything, Coinbase is actually more expensive. So that's I. Marty and I are actually we're we're friends with with the the project lead at Cash App. And I've, I've expressed this to him because it, I think it's a UX failure, but it's actually cheaper than Coinbase in mm-hmm. practice. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I like the, the hidden fees in Coinbase. Like there's, there's ways to game sort of exactly what's Yeah, going especially on. if you go to like Coinbase.com and you don't sign in, like the price they show you isn't the price you're going to pay. And that's where most of the issue is with people. They go into the cash app, they go to buy, and then they, they go to Coinbase.com and they, they see what the price is. And that's not the... So then the other thing about Square was... Um, they got more downloads than Venmo. They surpassed Venmo. If you're like That's me, huge. all my friends use Venmo. That's huge. Like I, I, I use Venmo. It's like my main way to transfer money between friends, even as a Bitcoiner, because you know most of my friends don't accept Bitcoin, and the ones that do, I made them accept it at like 16K, 17K. <laughs> they're like a little upset about it. Even though I did the reverse. I did the reverse. Um, but they, 33 million downloads. They passed, they passed Venmo. It's insane. And... and <laughs> It's it makes sense number one uh, because I think they offer again free ads for Cash App. You guys can start paying me whenever. Uh, I think they offer like a, a superior service of Venmo. Like your cash card, you have a debit card connected to yeah. it, and you get they have this boost program. Like every time I go to buy a cup of coffee, it's a dollar off if they I use this card. They give you a free card. Yes, and they ship the card. And it's a to cool you. looking card. You customize it. You customize. It's a Visa, right? Mm-hmm. 
And you, you customize a card. You can spend it anywhere Visa is accepted. They don't have to just accept Square. So it's basically like a bank account alternative. You can even get direct deposit. Yeah, you can do it. ACH direct deposit to it. And but. then they have this like clever reward system where you can switch your rewards every day. Mm-hmm. And they're like pretty high. Yeah, you can get fifteen percent off Chick Fil A, fifteen percent off Chipotle, a dollar, a dollar off coffee is what I use. Every so day. once once they offer deposits, Bitcoin mm-hmm. deposits, you can basically it's for all intents and purposes it's a Bitcoin layer two solution that's centralized. Exactly. So you you would send some Bitcoin into it, you know, maybe top it up with a hundred dollars. You turn it into dollars, and then you can use your Cash App card anywhere with Visa, you know, and just and and spend your Bitcoin anywhere if if, if you so desire to spend your Bitcoin. Yeah. So, and I think that's going to be crazy for adoption. Like I again, like we said, news. like Tra- it's, it's Travis Scott. Travis Scott was just giving out a hundred thousand dollars on it. Like, send me your cash tag with a lyric. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, for Astro City. Like, and it, some people think that was Astro it wasn't World, sponsored. It actually wasn't a sponsor. He was just like, I'm gonna know, give screw. away a hundred k. Some, I mean, he was buying followers. He was buying attention. That's what you do when you have these any kind of contest that offers money in return yeah. for likes and retweets and stuff is the week you drop an album makes sense. You're, you're buying it. It's a good hundred. You're, you're buying. It's a good hundred thousand dollar investment. But the, the important thing is that Cash App is viral. They, they support Bitcoin. They don't support any of the, the, the other altcoins or tokens. And, and the, uh, it's big for adoption. It's major for adoption. It, it sets up, you think, know, right now we're in a bear trend, but the next bull trend, right? Exactly. And it sets it up. I don't want to keep shitting on Coinbase here, but I think uh, the Cash App team is more focused. Uh, like, to, in my opinion, Coinbase is spread themselves too thin they're well, going Coinbase to tr- is in ethereum land right now they, yeah all their acquisitions are ethereum focus um they put out a good product they but they're centralized the call, issue is that they have too much they have too much control over the space anytime there's anytime there's a lot of volume like they their apps get a shit yeah i mean i look i i hate coinbase as much as the next guy um but <laughs> but they've never had a major hack you yeah. know they got siphoned from the etc uh, they had that ETC exploit when uh, Ethereum Classic. Uh, they didn't want to support it at first, so they were they were leaking a bunch of ETC. People and they were had, able to double spend on Pol- Poloniex or something like that. I'm I'm not sure they they were pulling it out of Coinbase. Yeah, they were basically every time they withdrew Ethereum, they were also getting ETC because Coinbase was pretending that Ethereum Classic didn't exist, even yeah. though it was the original chain. Exactly. Um, but. And then they also had the issue with if the fees didn't come down, they had a ton of, ton of freaking transactions that were four million, four million UTXOs that were unspendable. That were just unspendable. And that's UTXOs, not dollars. Basically, they had like all these little transactions where the fee was higher than the the value in, in the UTXO set. So they they were unspendable. So if the fees didn't come down, they would be completely screwed. But besides that. <laughs> They've never actually had like a major hack or anything. No. The interface is like pretty good. Um, the, the cash stored on it, I'm pretty sure is FDIC'd. Uh, they're cold Maybe not. wallets. Actually, so actually, no, they're hot wallets. So like only a like, no. I'm talking about the USD, but I, I'm not oh. actually sure on that. But I'm pretty sure oh. the, UD, the USD on it is FDIC insured. That yeah, that's more, they have like a partner bank. That, yeah, I was gonna say that does it. Their their hot wallets are like one percent of their holdings. Regardless, are you shouldn't use Coinbase. Just use Cash App. Well, let's let's, let's give some Coinbase some 
like I've said this on this now podcast before, around. we would not be here without Coinbase. Right. That's what I'm we saying. We would not be here. That's, without... that's all I'm trying to say yeah. is that I think they put out like a pretty solid product. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest issue with them is that too many people use them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and way, way too many people use them as a, as a wallet. Yeah. Like that dude. Oh, right? like, this is a good segue. Don't your money on Coinbase. This is another if thing. If you want to use Coinbase, just buy on Coinbase, transfer them out to a wallet where you control the private keys. Like don't, don't play that game. You're just playing with fire. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you brought that up because uh, there is currently, this is another current news, there is a, a lawsuit uh, in the world right now. This dude, Michael Turpin, is suing AT&T because he got... Uh, I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, so he I'm got... I'm glad you thought of this. He got... Uh, he got phone ported. Somebody... Twice. Twice. Somebody went to... Twice. A- it's his fault. Well, apparently there was... It's Michael's app- fault. Apparently there was an insider at AT&T who like, helped make this happen. doesn't matter. But Michael this Turpin dude, was known, right? Yes. He was he, Bitcoin Foundation, wasn't he at one point? I'm not positive, but he was holding $24 million in a Coinbase account. I knew Michael Turpin was a Bitcoiner. I knew that he was an early Bitcoiner with a big wallet. Like I knew he had a lot of Bitcoin, you know? And like for him to store it on Coinbase and to have the his phone number known, which it was probably known to a bunch of people. He had two factors set up with, with his phone number, right? It was SMS. Yes. Yes, exactly. It, it was SMS. Well you could have it there's a separate two factor that's that's You could do Authy. Yeah. I mean, you you download an app and you scan the QR code and mm-hmm. and it links it. It's uh it's based on time protocol or whatever. OTP I think. Yeah, it's, uh, and you get a new password like every 20 seconds. That's the way to do it. Don't use yeah. SMS because you, you might get ported, but you shouldn't even have any Bitcoin on Coinbase. Exactly. To begin with. That's like, I don't have over. the stress at all. But anyway, he's suing, how much? $225 million, I, I think. think. I think 10x the value, so $240 Which is ridiculous. Million. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, not only was it my fuck up that I stored it with them, but now I'm going to, you know, sue them for extra amount for my hardship. Yeah. Um, the funniest part of this. They shouldn't be able to port so easily. I, I do give him that argument, but it's, it is his fault. Yeah, At the well, end of the day, it's his fault. So, that's, so this is a good news topic. That's the debate right now. Who's at fault, your AT&T or Coinbase? Should Coinbase have a better user experience, or is AT&T negligent for allowing these these? Uh, well, it is actually, it is. I think it's a combination of But he's not suing Coinbase. No, he's suing AT&T. Right. But okay. I, think, I think AT&T is trying to drag Coinbase it's into more this. It's Coinbase's like, hey, fault, because... Yeah. You should have, I mean, $25 million, I feel like you should have some kind of extra authentication. <laughs> like, hey, hey, I know you uh, might not be OPSEC conscious, but... that but, goes both ways. Like, that's somewhere where we have, like, we have, like, an internal, like, not HR, but, like, like a biz dev manager, like, hey, I notice you have $24 million in your hot wallet. Uh, I think it would be wise to, to take advantage of some of our custodial services. But, we can get that into cold, But even that, wallets. like, I think this goes, through, that would go through the custodial service, probably. Yeah. Right. I mean, I. Who the fuck has twenty five million dollars? I mean, but it, <laughs> uh, I hope that the transactions were like slow bleeds, like the the person who was compromising. Imagine him, if it wasn't. Imagine was, if they was doing you know ten Bitcoin at a time or something. But if it was a twenty five million dollar transaction at once, like to use just SMS seems a little bit. Yeah, that should warrant like a Skype call. But that's not an AT and T. That's on. Coinbase. Yeah, so, you're like a personal visit. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dollars. You should have like a, a briefcase with a with the handcuffs, like handcuffed to your hands. Like I've got the third private key. I can't believe that happened. That really. Third if it wasn't, 
in legal docs. I just wouldn't believe that'd be one of those rumors that somebody, Oh, did you hear Michael Turpin got ported? I, I would just wouldn't believe it. I would just think it was bullshit. Yeah. Would you be too embarrassed to, to file this lawsuit? I, I definitely for that amount, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would probably file for the bare minimum and just be like, and I, yeah, I don't know. I just would never be in that situation. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's a shitty situation. Don't want to be there. Um, but it does bring up an interesting debate, uh, particularly in this space, phone porting, swatting, telecommunications companies in general have really shit the bed when it comes to OPSEC and, and helping their customers preserve their wealth. And that's a combination problem with the apps and the services that we use that require our phone numbers to, just to like gain ISP access. Censorship, right? Yeah. Um, just like blanket ISP censorship where the internet service provider is screwing with what you can connect to. Exactly. So it's, it's a interesting debate. I think that should be more hashed out, uh, pun intended, um, in not only in the Bitcoin world, but beyond that, just in society as general, like, Hey, we're, we're, there's a, there's a big attack surface in this certain area of the internet and it's being exploited more and more these days, especially as uh, cryptocurrencies become proliferate. Well, that's the beauty. One of the beauties of Bitcoin is that we we're discovering all of these things that are inherently vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? That you wouldn't know otherwise, but now all of a sudden people can make money exploiting them. So, you know, you have they come to surface. We get to, we actually get to see them exactly. happen. They become more obvious. It's yeah, like, because people can exploit it and make money. Like if you can make money on something, you're going to do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, and well, one thing I would caution you, you should not leave your, your Bitcoins on these exchanges, but before you move them to cold storage, please do your research. Please know what you're doing. It's no, it is, um, it is something to be taking very seriously do very diligently and very carefully and definitely test test how to make a couple wallets, spin up an Electrum wallet or three, send a minuscule amount of Bitcoin to them at the lowest fee possible just to make sure you know what you're doing. And then when you have complete confidence, move it to something like a Trezor or even uh, like a paper wallet or crypto steal or I something like that. I would say the number one rule is don't store all your shit in one place. Mm -hmm. You know, so use multiple I like I like that idea that you just you know use multiple wallets you know Trezor and Ledger we both we both respect a lot you know never have, use a Ledger can't speak to Ledger I've used a Ledger I respect it a lot they have a very long track record right mm -hmm. um, and and they haven't been exploited so far they have some extra issues because they have a proprietary authentication chip in it mm -hmm. that Trezor doesn't have. Uh, which is supposed to make it more secure from physical attacks, like if you actually have the device in your hands. Either way, neither has been exploited in any meaningful way. Yeah. Um, so I would. So what I usually tell people is, you know, you you have Trezor, Ledger. You know, if you have a lot of money, buy both. You know, have some on both, and then you should also go like the paper wallet route as well. Um, and just because we call it a paper wallet, you can print that shit on steel. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. you, you print it on whatever you want, you know, stamp it, engrave it in something, you know, it, we call that a paper wallet. Yes. It's just when you're basically writing it down. Um, and my favorite way is tails. I, there's tails.boem.org, T-A-L-S, T-A-I-L-S, tails.boem.org. 
And uh, if it, you can download that, that's an operating system that you download onto a USB stick. They have Electrum built in. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can just run Electrum on that on a computer that's never connected to the internet. You record that seed down and uh, you have a nice little cold storage wallet there. It's like probably the, the easiest way to do like pretty, pretty fucking secure cold storage. That's pretty dope. Uh, and then beyond that, beyond that level, I would start building a web of trust. People you trust, uh, hopefully family members that you don't have too much money tied up with and figure out how to get a multi-sig uh, operation going. Oh, that's definitely important. Yeah. But you can even just add that. You just add that to the element. Mm-hmm. So you have multiple ways, you know, so, so the multi-sig only controls a certain amount of your stash. Exactly. You know, and then worst comes to worst. If one thing gets, the whole point is it's compartmentalization, compart, compartmentalization, 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 <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> it's like what the Titanic tried to use and failed. You mm-hmm. just want to have it all separated. Mm-hmm. Right, and worst comes to worst, you only lose a bit. Of yeah, it. is that why the ti- Titanic cut in half? Because like it wasn't separating, the water was just sloshing they just got, they in just the wrong way. That one up. That was just a complete fuck up. This is a shit coin of a ship. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to the next. What's our next? Well, story yes, here? yes. Let's move on to the next one. But remember, uh, do not leave twenty-four million dollars on an exchange. Yeah, don't don't keep money on big on Coinbase. Learn how to spin up your own wallet and secure your own coins. Uh, develop a web of trust and make sure you're 100% certain of what you're doing before you do it. So and, test it out. And two-factor. Two-factor, use an app. Exactly. Two-factor. Do the OTP. Google Authenticator. Yeah. If you're very hardcore, get a YubiKey. Yeah, I don't even know if that really gives you... Probably doesn't even, at the end of the day, doesn't give you that much more. Like Unless you're like dealing with state actors in your threat model. Um, hey. Hey. Which I don't think a YubiKey would necessarily you can't count help you. Out, you can't count out state actors. But I I don't not count out state actors, but I don't think my two factor is going to stop them. So okay. I, I think your YubiKey will get intercepted in the mail or something. That's from a good Amazon. point. That's a good point. Uh, if you can buy it in cash, buy it in cash <laughs> at the street corner. I don't know if I trust that. They either. can always intercept a package. Remember that. That's true. All right. Next topic. They. They. The government. <laughs> okay. What do we have next? Uh, we could go with Maduro's bullshit Petro. Yes, yes. Let's do that. So Maduro devalued his currency by f- five decimal points, <laughs> I think. I think that's a 95%. I think he basically just took the black market rate as the official rate now. Uh, either way, it's just like a complete shit show over there. And he said this new currency is going to be backed by the Petro. Which what is the Petro, Matt? What is it? We haven't gotten shit for details on that. He, it was originally supposed to be Ethereum-based, and now I'm pretty sure it's NEM-based, supposedly. Yeah. What is, I mean, um, I really, like NEM was always in like the top 10, but I was like, what the NEM fuck is, is just, NEM? NEM is like a bullshit uh, shitcoin fork. That I, It's not a fork. I apologize. The NEM people got angry at me. I called it a fork in their Telegram channel. It's based on NXT, which is like one of the oldest bullshit shit coins that we had. Is that a Bryce Wiener shit coin? I don't think NXT was because it was like it wasn't good enough marketing for Bryce. <laughs> um, but uh, we don't have any real details. Someone was looking into the addresses and nothing moved and they pretended there was this big ICO. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. They, it's all bullshit. The only thing that you have to know is that it's bullshit. 
Um, they pretend it's backed by oil. There's no way you're trusting them. You're, at the end of the day, it requires a full faith of the Venezuelan government. No one should give them that faith, right? So it's what just a bullshit about? They've movie. been an upstanding government. <laughs> <laughs> this is a poorly timed joke. And I just... I. The point is, is that if he actually wanted to do an oil-based currency, the best way to do it would be Bitcoin. It's back. It's literally backed by energy. Yeah, you made a great point way. about this today. So explain that. Like, you can literally turn. You're sanctioned by the whole goddamn world. And I'm not fighting for the Maduro regime here. But, right. But like, but it'd be the smart move. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm I'm fighting from a logic perspective. Like, if like you're using logic and you're using like, hey, I'm backed up against the wall. I'm oh, a horrible regime. <laughs> I'm sanctioned they're by greedy, the whole fucking world. They're idiotic. Everything. I don't want to give advice to. To Nicolas Maduro here, but if if you really want to do this right, like you said, turn the oil into the ground into Bitcoin, and then you have somewhat of a capital reserve that you can use to to expend. Yeah, the only time I'll defend like a fake socialist dictator is if he's trying to launch a shitcoin, and I'm trying to get him not to have shitcoin. So basically, <laughs> he could have an energy-dependent currency if he if you use Bitcoin, either a full switch to Bitcoin, or if they just did provable Bitcoin reserves at least. Mm-hmm. So they have like major, major mining operations. Like we, I've I've seen pictures from people there where they have both confiscated miners. They steal miners from people. Yeah, it's pretty fucked um, up. They they either force the miners to work for them a lot of times and give them a cut. And if they don't do that, then they actually confiscate the miners. And then they have new, they have new mining hardware. I remember something leaked that said like everything was banned except like remember they had a bitmain exclusion on an actual ban, mm-hmm. and they're probably taking like boatloads of cargo ships yeah. with bitmain hardware. And the whole idea is they could take sanctioned oil, they they convert it into Bitcoin by mining. Mm-hmm. Basically, they 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 buy some ASICs. And they, they, they're able to convert that, that sanctioned oil into a way better revenue source in Bitcoin than if they were to sell it on the black market or to countries that don't accept the U.S. sanctions. Yeah, a way right? better leverage ship, if you So will. they could actually prove their reserves because they own all this Bitcoin, presumably. We mm-hmm. don't know that. But they could, we're pretty sure they, they, they have a lot of Bitcoin. They could prove that by signing a message, which is the same thing we asked Craig Wright to do. And he couldn't. Um, and he never did. He pre, he did all these theatrics, and he never actually did. It's trivially easy to take your private keys, and, and you can sign a message with them. Well, the third member of the three of four multisig is dead. Right. So we'll, we'll never know. So Satoshi is dead. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, oh, so then we also had, so we have that bullshit. So he's, like, pretend, pretending it's backed by the Petro, but that's all, that's, in the end of the day, that's, just all bullshit to hide the fact, you know, that it's just a horrible measure to actually stop the inflation that his that his people are experiencing. And um, no, I think it's interesting to see how like the geopolitical situation within Bitcoin is playing out, and how uh, it's obvious that Bitcoin has not hit the scene yet because this is not obvious to to the Nicolas Maduro regime. Like if they don't get, well, and that, and that actually makes it like a double head sword. Like that makes me optimistic as well. How I think they realize they're just like, if we can excuse our inflation with some 
cryptocurrency the, bullshit. Like, may, you know, you make it like a propaganda y thing. But the Petro is like. It doesn't matter to them. The Petro is a non starter. It's like literally doesn't even exist. Right. So. It's just, uh, it's like. But, but this makes me up- desperate, right? This makes me optimistic. Like, governments aren't prepared for this yet. Uh, I bet some are more than others, uh, obviously. Um, but also with that being said, for future references, thinking about the progression of uh, this new seg- this new show we're doing, uh, maybe segments like Al- get Alejandro Machado or uh, Eduardo Medina on like a Skype call for like five minutes to talk about this stuff. Cause they I have, would love that. Yeah, they have their, their ears to the ground. So Alejandro or Eduardo, if you guys are listening, or anybody from Venezuela, um, maybe that's something we'll do in the future, like a little five-minute segment or something like that. Yeah, no, and, and this Cause, episode... Because we should not be talking about this, this subject from This Brooklyn. episode is literally just... We're just spitballing, and like we would love feedback. Yeah. You know, give us your feedback, segment ideas, things like that, how to, how to format the show. We just want to give you what you want. Exactly. Um, I do always... I, I feel... I, I have a concern whenever I tweet about Venezuela or Iran or Turkey. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a white person in America, you know? And so there's, there's, I don't understand exactly what you're going through. You know, I'm trying my best. Mm-hmm. I have, there's people who, I have Venezuelans who DM me and like they give me contacts and stuff. They're like, Matt, signal boost this, signal boost that. And that helps me a lot. But, but I, I am very concerned when I'm, when I'm talking about these things. Right. Um, specifically, like today I tweeted out that it doesn't, it doesn't matter if Maduro sanctions Bitcoin or not, like says that Bitcoin is, is currency. Like the people can just accept it themselves. All right. So, yeah. Know? And let's get into that. Um, the chart of the day is uh, local Bitcoin volumes denominated in Bitcoin within Venezuela. And this is actually an impressive chart. If you look at it, Brown this time last year peaked and then it troughed in December and then it's on its way back towards the peak this year. And from chart perspective, it's very deceiving chart because what you don't realize is that the the bottom of the trough is around December when Bitcoin price was at its highest. So Venezuelans were only able to buy uh, they were able to buy smaller amounts at a time. They couldn't expend more money. So it looks like the amount of Bitcoin being bought on local Bitcoins in Venezuela is pretty constant. They're basically, the chart shows how much Bitcoin is bought in Venezuela every day through local Bitcoins, right? Yes. Local Bitcoins allows you to P2P exchange between people. So it's two people, one person selling Bitcoin to the other person is giving them boulevards, either through bank account or through cash. A lot of times it goes through bank account. Um, and we're nearing all-time highs in terms of, in terms of how, much, how much Bitcoin is being purchased every week. In bully, or, I mean, in dollar terms. So like, no, not in dollar terms. In Bitcoin terms. In Bitcoin terms, yes. Right? So like we have July 25th around yeah, is so like I, the week. And that's what I'm interested to see. Right? Like where was the price? Yeah, and that would make sense. Around July 25th is when... The, in late July was when they were buying the most Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But when you go with price and stuff, it kind of seems like it was relatively consistent. Exactly. It's just that their boulevard went a shorter distance. Yes. Um, and, and if you're in these countries, like it's, it's very easy to see the value prop of Bitcoin. If you can't, if you can't get your hands on, on U.S. dollars, which right now is, is probably absolutely still king. Um, Definitely, For- but uh, but imagine you're a dev. If you're a dev in Venezuela, you can work online. 
mm-hmm. you're independent of your economy, your global marketplace, and you can just get paid in Bitcoin. Like that's amazing. Like that is, you know, would you prefer U.S. dollars? Sure, but would you prefer Bolivars? No way. Like there's not in a million years you would prefer Bolivars, and that's it's like the stepping stones. Right. Yes, and you would prefer U.S. dollars, even if you would prefer U.S. dollars, you would have no way of getting them. Because exactly. you're sanctioned. Like, so Bitcoin is an only option at that point. So when the Krugmans and stuff say like, oh, they'd prefer Venmo, like, yeah, I'm sure. But actually Venezuela blocked, you know, you can't use PayPal in Venezuela <laughs> anymore. PayPal blocked it, I'm pretty sure. Not not Venezuela, but. Not Venmo, but PayPal and Venmo are the same. No, pay, the same company. Yeah, yeah, so you can't use either of those in, yeah. in Venezuela. So there you go, you know. Um, sanctioned country. Can't, can't use them. We, uh. Next topic. Next topic, but before we go on to that, like. Um, just want the people of Venezuela to know, like, hey, we're, I'm fucking pulling for you. Like, oh, that actually reminds me at BTC Ven, at BTC Ven is Bitcoin Venezuela, which is um they're doing, they're funding soup kitchens and stuff in Venezuela. They accept Bitcoin donations. Um, they just seem they seem like good people. I personally contributed. You should too. Yeah, probably. We'll put, we'll put their know? address in the show notes. Yeah, or it's, at least we'll put it. We'll put a link to their to their to their uh, the proposal. They have pictures there and stuff. It's it's pretty fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. So um, and and again, if anybody from Venezuela wants to help us give updates in the future, uh, little five minute segments. Yeah, reach, reach out to us. Yeah. Um, all right. Last segment here. You wanted to talk about Sia Coin. Is it Sia or Sia? This is our last segment. Let's rush, we can, let's move through this one so we can so go quick. See a coin. Have you heard of it? I, I have heard of it. I don't know too it's, much it's, about it. I, it's a competitor to storage and Filecoin. The whole yes. idea is that it's like Dropbox, but instead of instead of you paying Dropbox to store your shit for you, you pay some random guy to store your stuff for you, and that that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided they're Boston based. I'm pretty sure they're definitely American based and they decided that they're going to create their own ASIC. They decided this eight months ago, 10 months ago with the idea that ASICs make your network more secure, which they're not wrong about. Mm-hmm. Multiple companies have also decided to make ASICs. Um, ASICs are specialized miners. If you don't know, they're specialized chips that are designed to mine whatever coin they're designed to they mine. solve one specific problem and with bitcoin in particular it's sha 256 right. hashing algorithm see it's whatever their pow yes. algo is i don't know what it is but anyway these other companies beat them to the punch they were slow to release and now they're proposing a fork they're not even they're just pushing through a fork that makes all the other miners obsolete and their miners are the only ones that are able to work on the fork. And they're pretending that it's community driven. But at the same time, every single person who owns a miner has a worthless piece of shit now. Freaks, Matt's really heated about this subject. And, it, it's, it, I've never seen him this like jacked up about, about uh, indiscretion in the crypto space. So this isn't the first time they've proposed this. They proposed this back in January. And I had like a really, really nice thread about it. I thought it was a fantastic thread. Hey, David Vork or York? David Vork. Vork has some of the best uh, medium posts so on mining and like the incentives and the economy. I think of scale. he's the CEO at Sea Attack. Yeah, he wrote an incredible paper on the um, the economies of scale for the Bitmain in particular. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. So Vork followed me. They looked at the. I I'd like to think they looked at the thread 
and they decided that was a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. And then here we are now. Look at it's, you, big, it's fucking big swinging August. dick on Twitter, changing to see the coins. I, I liked, I liked the fact that I thought that they read my thread <laughs> and they were like, "This is a horrible idea." But here we are in August, and it's eight months later, seven months later, and they're they're pushing through the same thing that they originally said they weren't going to do after they originally proposed it. And my main complaint is is no one else is going to make ASICs for your network. Mm-hmm. Your network is going to be forever centralized. And and at the end of the day, someone's going to store, you know, I. it's a great example, so that's why everyone always uses it. Someone's going to store child porn or, or some kind of torrented video files, and the judge is going to say to them, you push out the code for the software, you, you made the white paper, you raised funds, and you're the only maker of miners that, that run, the, run the software, obviously you're hosting it. You exactly. know? It's, it's, it's the most short-sighted bullshit. <laughs> right? And, and it's from a coin that a lot of people said wasn't a shit coin, you know? And, well, and so what, let's, let's, let's steal, man, this. One like, of the what, good guys. What is the comeback yeah. response from... What's the justification of the hard fork? Well, the justification is that Sea Tech is going to go out of business if <laughs> if they're not able to sell these ASICs that they've already sold. But if if their ASICs are if their ASICs launch in the market right now, they just aren't profitable. Mm-hmm. They're 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 not bringing in enough Sea for the energy output, and the the competitors beat them to the punch. And and why would a small American company decide that they're going to try and competitively make, you know, mining equipment blows, blows my mind. But, but the argument I've gotten in return is that Sea tech goes out of business. If, if they don't, I mean, what is the, like, what is like, what is the best case scenario in their minds? Well, they're, I don't know if they believe they're bullshit, but they're basically saying that the community supports this fork. So it doesn't matter. Um, obviously a hundred percent of the hash rate disagrees with that because they're running miners that are going to get obsoleted. Mm-hmm. Um, do miners, know. do miners, uh, do they count or is it all about nodes? Both count. Yeah. Um, they, I think it's, it's a checks and balances type no, of situation. I would agree. Would I, would you agree. agree? I would agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. You're just trying to get me in a gotcha. <laughs> no, no, um, I'm trying to. Trying to lead people yeah. through certain points of the rabbit hole. He's trying the to name increase of the show. ratings. He's trying to increase ratings. <laughs> no, I'm not. We haven't told them the name of the show. Yeah, I, re- I announced it. Did rabbit you? hole recap with yeah. Matt and Marty. That's what we're going to name it, by the way, guys. If you haven't heard that already. <laughs> can we fit in another topic? Yeah, we definitely got like 10 more minutes. We can fit in two more topics. We got eight minutes. Eight minutes. Bitcoin cash vulnerability. Oh. Yes, this was talked about last night, but devs too. Uh Bitcoin Cash had a vulnerability that was um, disclosed a few weeks ago. Let me pull up the website here real quick. All right. Yes, that was another thing that was brought up at BitDevs last night uh, was the responsible disclosure of uh, the bug in Bitcoin Cash. And I believe it had to do with a certain opcode. Let me see here. Yeah, no, excuse me, a SIG hash bug. Um, So they had a SIG hash bug that was, uh, I guess it was in the open for at least a couple months, a couple weeks at least. 
I think it was longer than that. Longer than that. Um, some. It was because they refactored a bunch of shit. Okay. So they decided to rewrite a bunch of shit that already worked. Mm-hmm. And they pushed it out with minimal review review on that. And Corey Fields, one of the Bitcoin core contributors, realized that. And was kind enough to uh, to disclose this bug uh, anonymously. That's another thing that's actually pretty interesting about this article is the, uh, the ethics of disclosing. So apparently, uh, I just learned this this week, like when you disclose, you should do it anonymously. Well, no, that's to cover your ass. Exactly. Which was a smart move. Which is, but it's the ethical move as well. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily ethical move. Yeah. Um, but you don't, I support it, you know, but I... I you don't want to leave that blindside. You're doing it for your own self-interest, Which, right? But... And that's not necessarily ethical. Would, but I would say know. it's ethical in the sense that to make this disclosure, you have to put, like... You have to go through some shady shit to make the disclosure. Basically, so that like yeah. that journey to make the right. action is actually more ethical than some would give Basically, credit for. Basically, Corey was worried that it was going to be exploited in between the time when he reported. He didn't trust the people he was reporting it to. Mm-hmm. First of all, Bitcoin Cash didn't have like a good way of reporting it. Okay. So he had to go out of his way. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is if you report it to the wrong person, that person might exploit it and then be like, Corey exploited it. Right, mm-hmm. he exactly. emailed me about it. Exactly. So, so Corey didn't trust the people he was reporting it to. Um, so in in his defense, like it makes complete sense to do it. So he did it anonymously. This was a couple months ago, I think, a month ago. Yeah, this is the post. The post mortem just came. And out then he week. he acknowledged it now. He acknowledged yeah. it a week and a half ago. Yeah, or something like that. Um, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. But the, like, the simple the simple end of the day is is that they the Bitcoin Cash devs refactored a bunch of code. They rewrote it for no reason. They didn't do any review on it. They did minimal fucking review on it, and it had a major vulnerability in it that would have split the network and would have lost tons of people, lots of money. It wouldn't have lost me up, any money. Would have fucked up Bitmain's IPO. And it affects all of us because it doesn't just the Bitcoin cash holders like, yes, like they get fucked the most and it would actually would have been kind of beautiful. But (laughs) but but if if they got if they got like a Coinbase or or a Shapeshift or a Binance and they they really screwed them on a double spend because they they split the network in a malicious way at the right time, Mm -hmm. it would have hurt. It would have hurt the whole ecosystem. Exactly. Uh, is that? It would hurt Bitcoin so? Cash the most. Do you think it would hurt Bitcoin? How much would it hurt Bitcoin? In short term, it would hurt Bitcoin. Okay. Long term, Bitcoin, Honey Badger, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Be completely fine. A lot of people were pissed that. Uh, short term, it would have caused a capitulation wick. A lot of people. <laughs> it would have. A lot of people are pissed, though, that uh, Corey didn't let it be and maybe not exploit it himself, but let somebody else find it and exploit it. If it was me hypothetically and I was Corey, I would not have hypothetically reported it. (laughs) Um, You don't have to get a hypothetical. He did it. Yeah. But I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I probably not. I probably, are you a lesser man because of that? I'm not saying that I would, you know, I, I don't, there's no criminal act happening here, but I'm just saying that, what did you I do? might not have reported. Are it you trying I to think, tell us that you found this bug before Corey <laughs> no, and I thought wish, about attacking it? I wish. It? If I, I just think that Bitcoin Cash dying sooner rather than later is for the greater good. The only reason it's at the prices currently at is because four or five people 
are are supporting the price, including Bitmain, which we've recently found out as holding a boatload of fucking Bitcoin cash. Yes. Um, and I would agree to an extent. I would say, yes, let it fail on its merit. And if somebody exploited that bug, it would have failed on its merit. The merit would have been shitty via the review process. But I think there's... I don't want to get too political with this stuff, but I think there is a little bit benefit for the Bitcoin maximalist case in general uh, if Bitcoin cash is prolonged because I'm pretty confident that they are so technically and organizationally incompetent that it's just going to be a slow drag of their reputation like over years. And it's going to be definitive after a certain amount of time that like these guys have been completely discounted. No, I want to be clear here that I think that forks and altcoins are no threat to Bitcoin. Like I, I personally feel that if, if, if you believe strongly enough in Bitcoin as a, as both the technology, a community, and just as like a seismic shift, like we don't, you shouldn't have to, you don't worry about them because, because they're not even close. You know, it's not even, and, 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 and yes, it is like a complete reaffirm reaffirmation of the fact that you go slow and steady, mm-hmm. conservative. You know, you're you're moving billions of dollars. You don't want to fuck that up. You're moving you know? more money than gold settles every yeah, day. Like, exactly. You're creating this is, a global financial system. This is actually pretty heavy system. shit now. I if mean, you're, if you're creating a global financial system, you don't want fuck ups. It's uh, it's interesting because like it is just a drop in the bucket still, like multi hundred trillion dollar address total addressable market potentially. Uh, that TAM. That TAM. And uh, it's only uh, a, a fraction of that, less than a percent probably. and um, But it's still surpassing incumbents in, in function. So the amount of dollars settled per day on Bitcoin is now more than gold on a daily basis. And that's pretty uh, pretty good benchmark to, to to surpass at some point, I would argue, psychologically. Yes. <laughs> Matt just got lost in my blue I, eyes. Yeah, I got completely lost, so I just <laughs> said yes. Um, but I wouldn't argue that. Uh, so what are we moving on to next? Do we have another topic or are we done? We're an hour and a half, but we probably like have to cut out Do like five minutes. you have another topic? Yeah, so uh, I guess the last topic we'll touch on uh Pertains to the ETN, the exchange traded note that is now available to Fidelity uh, customers via their their brokerage accounts. It's not just Fidelity. I thought it was just Fidelity. Is it really? I'm pretty positive it's just Fidelity. I haven't tried to buy because you honestly shouldn't buy any of this shit. So let's go on your own. Yeah, it's gonna be. So this is this has actually been a heated topic. I I feel like uh, the sentiment. We can jump into this in general. General topic is uh, exchange traded notes, exchange traded funds, whatever it may be, an ETF and ETN. Uh, but basically products that give institutional investors access to Bitcoin, access and exposure to Bitcoin uh, via traditional um, financial institutions. Uh, For a lot of the beginning of the summer, and I would say spring, beginning of summer, a lot of the uh, bullish potential was based off the potential for an ETF approval. Uh, Bitcoin Maximus, myself included, definitely written and spoken about this. Uh, extreme, it would be extremely bullish because they have to buy the underlying Bitcoin. But I, I don't know if I completely agree with this. But more recently, people have like been nagging on that, like, "Hey, maybe we don't need an ETF." Um, curious to see what you think, and like, have you noticed that as well? Well, first of all, ETF is inevitable. Second of all, have you noticed that though? 
Whatever. That's is is recently become more negative. Yes. Which is, is of course, that's going to happen as we get denied more often. <laughs> um, you know, I've been waiting for a Bitcoin ETF since 2013 when the Winklevosses said they were going to the Winklevi said they were going to launch their ETF. I think I wouldn't have known an ETF, but an ETF is dope. You know, you have anybody who has a TD Ameritrade account or a Robinhood. Well, Robinhood, you can just trade it now, but you, you, you don't own the underlying Bitcoin. But, but any of these brokerage accounts, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, whatnot, you'd be able to buy Bitcoin. And you don't have to worry about any of the technical specifics of it, and you get exposure to it. And if any, if, if, if any ETFs decide to, to go the, the non-backed route, right, and they're working on, like, fractional reserves, like, I think in the next Bitcoin bubble, they get fucked, right? Right. So I, don't, I don't see the negative downside. I think it gives people more exposure with a new custodial option. And right? this, is a, this is a good topic to jump into. Should, before these products... Uh, be brought onto the market should we develop standards that say hey should we draw a hard line in the sand and say these need to be fully reserved and there needs to be proof every quarter every semi-annually every year every three years whatever it may be we need proof that you have the reserves i mean that'd be nice is it possible no why not because it is we're gonna tell them that like that's We'll Maybe draw the line in the sand. The market might. The market might, right? So if you have an ETF that is full reserve and you have an ETF that's not full reserve, like the ETF that's full reserve is going to do better. It's going to command a premium because it's legit, right? Yes. And I think the market will figure itself out, you know, but they're not going to listen to us if we tell them that they should go full reserve. Uh, but what? Just, but the counterpoint to that, what if it's a game theoretical situation too where the first ETF to go full reserve actually benefits the most in the market. They probably do. Yeah, they probably do. I, 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 I fail to see the reasoning where there's any kind of attack vector here or anything, is, is my point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Bitcoin is designed to go up forever. <laughs> it is literally designed that way. It's designed to, in every other metric, to go up forever. Like, if you value it in any other thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trend up forever and the price will will have extreme volatility that will reduce as time goes on but you'll have extreme volatility but over time it'll it'll go up forever mm-hmm. um that's how it's designed yeah and if you go fractional reserve in that situation and and you're way too leveraged like you're gonna get fucked yeah and and the market will it'll route itself around that but but the ETF ETFs in general open exposure to Bitcoin exactly. and and allow more buyers to buy in into a truly fixed supply. Like like we don't know how much gold there is. You can keep mining it right now. It's just how much does it cost you to mine it? We don't know exactly how much is there. You know, with Bitcoin, you have a you have that purely fixed supply, and they just get fucked. If it runs up, they get fucked. Yeah, and I'm happy you brought that up about like it being a new on and off ramp um, to exposure of Bitcoin because I actually sh- wrote this in the newsletter today uh, on the 17th last Friday, I believe. Um, the folks from CoinShares in particular, Ryan Roudloff, uh, posted a provocative medium post, I would say. That's the ETN, by the way. Is the it? The new ETN. Hey, yeah, it's CoinShares? 
It's coin shares. Okay. So the, the Stockholm, t- NASDAQ, and now it's tradable OTC in, yeah. in America. Yeah. And uh, so he wrote this incredible Medium post, wrote about it today. Half of the remaining non-minted Bitcoin supply is spoken for. Uh, and he basically said, anytime uh, Bitcoin adoption has, has gone up, it's obviously, not obviously, it, well, it is pretty obviously because new on and off ramps have developed throughout the years. And that's usually when you see uh, a precipitous uh, increase in uh, adoption. Um, so he basically wrote this paper and said, a lot of people think the institutional money, institutional money is going to drive the price to a hundred thousand, but like people are going to be waiting on the sidelines for the institutional money and retail is going to drive it up that high in the meantime, as people watch by. I mean, the, 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 the sum of all retail money is way bigger. (laughs) Yeah. It's just retail usually can't get access to this shit. Mm -hmm. All right. And I, I mean, me and you are just unabashedly bulls. Right. Yes. We don't. I don't understand what selling Bitcoin is. This. Like in hindsight, like I probably should have sold at the top, you know. But that's, uh, that's why we're drinking our. If our if I away. could have timed it, I would have. But I can't. Exactly. Um, and I, I. There's not that much Bitcoin to go around, right? At the end of the day, like, there's what, very exactly. very little Bitcoin. So to go I around. I do not trust myself. It's very well known that I've had very few credit cards. I just got my first credit card. Very few credit cards. He literally just got his <laughs> just first, got credit my first credit card. Um, I do not trust myself. Like if I were to sell my Bitcoin at the top, I do not think I would be able to time the bottom and get back the same amount of Bitcoin that yeah, I sold you, at the top. Yeah, but even if you bought it at like 14K, like you would be better. Than yes, yes. But, but yeah, yeah. would I have the will? The thing will is you would FOMO capital. buy in and panic, panic sell out. Exactly. And you would... You would panic sell out. Come on. I got this. Come on, take the last bit. All right. We're keeping that in. You better keep that into the podcast. It's in there. We're just finishing the McAllen 15. We'll drink McAllen 18 once we turn into a bull trend. That's the promise. Yes. We're going to stick with 15. If we go under 3K, we're going to switch to 12. We're going to switch to McAllen 12. And then, but if but if we no, I'd say we switch the Jack if it goes under twelve. No, fuck that! I'm not drinking Jack. I'm not. You know, we're not oh, doing that. Don't be so up uppity. People are listening to us. You have to have a certain level of uh, composure. Uh, I, I think you lost composure there, <laughs> saying you can't drink Jack. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but classic Philly. <laughs> that is the Philly special. Five dollars yeah, to get a PBR exactly. to Jack. I, I know it's shot. a Philly special. It's a great special. Five dollars at participating bars. So is that? The, the, are we done for the week? I think so. That was a good hour. We love you guys. Please give us your feedback. Right. Let's give a little recap. So we talked about Bitcoin Cash going through a little uh, a little turbulence right now. Vulnerability. Bitmain as well, alongside that uh, vulnerability. Um, um, Cash App getting hot. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah, the bullshit Petro bullshit. Yeah, Venezuela uh, <laughs> went through what they're doing there. Uh, def- again, Venez- if anybody's in Venezuela listening to this by chance, please reach out. We'd, uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, and then... Uh, see ya. See ya. Bad decision. I think that's how you pronounce it. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly. Not happy with them. Like, I thought you, I thought you read my thread. Matt is not happy <laughs> I thought them. you read the thread. Read his threads. Come on, um, people. We have Square Cash fucking killing it. We have the ETN. We have the Bitmain IPO. 
Did I miss anything? No. I think we're going to cut out the recap. I think it's redundant, right? The recap is a little bit. Whatever. We can cut it out. That was a good That was a good riff, though. I kind of like the recap. We'll just keep this part in. Okay. Just keep it in. All right. We're going to keep it in. saying that we're going to cut it out. <laughs> I think it like, adds more Allure. to it. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. All right. We're going to keep it in. And just give us your feedback, right? You're hearing us think out loud here. Yeah. We're just going to... We're spitballing. That's the point of this series it's this an, idea is, is 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 that you get us if there's one know? thing i learned at the you ux get our takes. if there's one thing i learned at the ux boot camp i went to it's that you can design anything including a podcast and the yeah. segments you go to this is what, and it's this a, is what we're trying to design it's an iterative process all iterative. right this is the first iteration give us feedback of the rabbit hole recap with matt and marty thank you guys for joining us uh we'll see you next week fuck yeah buy bitcoin <laughs>